Now, for the sake of the pastors who are here this morning, in connection with the pastors' conference, as well as for the sake of any visitors, we have recently, in this adult class, studied the attribute of God's sovereignty. Our two classes, which we studied on that subject of the sovereignty of God from the Bible, were certainly not exhaustive, but hopefully deepened our understanding and love of our sovereign God. And this morning, we shall begin to study the attribute of God's immutability, the truth that God is unchanging. And again, it will not be exhaustive, but hopefully will uh, strengthen our faith and give us greater love for our God. Because God is infinite in being and perfection, as the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689 correctly states, God does not, quoting now another author, God does not change his mind or revise his decrees. There is no improvement or deterioration with God. The Puritan Stephen Charnock who lived in England in the mid-1600s, as many of you would know, he wrote the following, God is unchangeable in his essence, nature, and perfections. He lacks nothing. He loses nothing, but does uniformly exist by himself without any new nature, new thought, new will, new purpose, or new place. If God does change, it must be either to a greater perfection than he had before, or if to a less, in either case, if to the better, he was not perfect, and so was not God. If to the worse, he will not be perfect, and so be no longer God after that change. And that's the end of the quote from Stephen Charnock. So, brethren, this truth that God is unchanging, God is immutable, is clearly taught in the scriptures. And as we turn to our Bibles, we need to remember the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, recorded in John 17, verse 3, where the Lord prayed, and this is life eternal, that they should know you, the only true God, and him whom you did send, even Jesus Christ. So it's our privilege as we study the Bible and study this attribute of God, his immutability, the fact that he doesn't change. It is our privilege to come to know this God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, let us consider this morning that God is immutable in his essence or being. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. I realize that for many of you, this is not a new turf, as it were, to study, but I make no additional apology because it's always good to go back to the truth of God's word on any subject Exodus 3 and verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, 
The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. And there we stop the reading of God's word. So in proclaiming his name to Moses, which Moses was to use when speaking to the Israelites, the name I am that I am, God, as John Calvin states, commenting on this passage, God attributes to himself alone divine glory because he is self-existent and therefore eternal. And as the self-existent eternal God, Jehovah is not dependent upon anyone or anything, and Jehovah is not affected by the passage of time. Nothing changes or alters God in his essence or being. The name Jehovah, I am that I am, proclaims that God has no beginning and no end and that he does not change. When God was in the past, to speak in human terms, when God was in the past, what God was in the past is what God is presently and what God will be in the future, if I can speak in those human terms. God does not evolve. God does not grow. God does not change for the better, for he is perfect, and therefore improvement is impossible. Because God does not change, there is never any deterioration, as Charnock stated, in any aspect of God's being. Now, hold on to these thoughts. Let's turn now to Numbers 23 and verse 16. We want to see the Bible's teaching that God indeed in his essence or being is immutable, unchangeable. Numbers 23 and verse 16. And Jehovah met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus shall you speak. And he came to him. And lo, he was standing by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What has Jehovah spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, you son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? And there we stop our reading. Many of you would know the word repent in my English translation of the Bible. In verse 19, in the Hebrew means to change one's mind. 
So in other words, verse 19 states, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should change his mind. We should never think that God is like finite man, the creature and sinner. God is the creator. God is infinite. God is holy. This is the way we need to think of God. And furthermore, verse 19 of Numbers 23 emphasizes the constancy of God's being and purpose. God remains always one and the same true God, faithful to himself, his decrees, and his works. Commenting on this biblical truth of God's immutability, and that God is not a man that he should lie. The author Terry Johnson writes, once honest people can become liars, not just tell a lie, but through repeated behavior become liars. We change, but God does not change because he does not need to change. Turn now to Psalm 102 and verse 25. Psalm 102 and verse 25. Psalm 102, verse 25. Of old did you lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They shall perish, but you shall endure. Yes, all of them shall grow old like a garment. As a vesture, you shall change them, and they shall be changed. But you are the same, and your years shall have no end. And there we stop the reading. So the psalmist here in Psalm 102 compares the heavens and the earth which God created with God himself. The creation shall perish, but God will remain the same. The creation is aging, deteriorating, and changing with the passing of time, even as a coat that someone might put on ages, gets frayed, deteriorates, changes with the passing of time. Both the creation and a coat become old and worn out and need to be changed and replaced. But this is not true regarding God. God remains the same. God is unchanged. Turn to Malachi 3 and verse 6. Malachi 3 and verse 6. Malachi 3 and verse 6. For I, Jehovah, change not. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Simple verse. For I, Jehovah, change not. Commenting upon this verse, John Calvin wrote, God continues in his purpose and is not turned here and there like men who repent of a purpose they have formed, because what they had not thought of comes to their mind, 
or because they wish undone what they have performed and seek new ways by which they may retrace their steps. God denies that anything of this kind can take place in him, for he is Jehovah and he is not changed. End quote. Now, regarding the same passage, Malachi 3, 6, Matthew Henry asks, Is God a just revenger of those that rebel against him? Is he the bountiful rewarder of those that diligently seek him? In both these, he is unchangeable. So I, Jehovah, change not. Now turn to James chapter 1 and verse 17. Now, these are all very classic passages from the Bible that teach this truth that God does not change. James 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom can be no variation, neither shadow that is cast by turning. There we stop the reading. So in this verse, James proclaims several truths regarding God and his being. However, we want to note in particular that with God there can be no variation, no change. It is impossible. God is always the same. He is unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. The changing seasons that we see around us now in northern New Jersey, the passing years as we come to December 31st, the alteration in this world's governments and rulers in Ukraine, in Myanmar, in many parts of the world, all of these changes, you see, they affect us, these upheavals in our world. But they do not affect or fluster or change God. For with God, there can be no variation. But James continues, he also proclaims that with God, there is no shadow that is cast by turning. James is using a word from astronomy here and is making an allusion to the planets and the stars. God, whom James calls the Father of Lights, never undergoes eclipses such as we witness here on earth with the sun and the moon, which then cause shadows and darkness and changes in the appearances of things. James is underscoring the fact that God is unchangeable in his being and consequently unchangeable in all of his ways. God is not fickle. God is not moody. God is not someone who one day is warm and embracing and the next day is cold and rejecting. No, God is constant, unwavering, consistent, unchangeable, and therefore he is faithful, reliable, and trustworthy in his being, character, words, and ways. 
So though your personal circumstances change and you change as a consequence, though there are many unexpected trials and temptations which confront you in your everyday living and they prompt you to do some changing, and though you can be inconsistent even as a Christian in the way in which you live the Christian life, yet because God is unchangeable, his goodness toward his children is always constant and consistent. And therefore, because God is unchanging, you can and should trust him 100%, love him without hesitation or reservation, worship him as such a God. It is just mind-boggling to think about that reality, that the living God, who does not change, has indeed communion with creatures of the dust, who are sinners, who in Jesus Christ, he has communion with them. He changes not, and we are so changeable. One day the Christian is, has, knows he has got strong faith and love in Christ. And the next day, troubles and trials unexpected to the Christian happen in his life. And he's questioning and doubting, where's God? And he's all in a turmoil in his heart. Well, you see, that's when you as a Christian need to say, no, God doesn't change. I can trust him 100% in the midst of this trial and difficulty and tumult in my life. I can still love him, believe in him, worship him, follow him, obey him. This doctrine of God's unchangeableness is very practical indeed. It has to go into the head using the scriptures, but it needs to go down to the heart and affect your affections in the way you live. But God, secondly, is immutable in his character or attributes. God is immutable in his character or attributes. The Puritan Thomas Manton stated, I absolutely love this little statement by Manton, he stated that God's immutability is an attribute that, like a silken string through a chain of pearls, runs through all the rest. You get the picture? You know a lady's string of pearls? There is that thread that goes through all those pearls. He says, God's immutability is an attribute like a silken string through a chain of pearls runs through all the rest of the attributes. God is, first of all, unchangeable in his wisdom. God knows all things. He is omniscient. And he always has known and always will know all things. He cannot learn more. He cannot forget anything he knows. God knows himself exhaustively, and God knows his creation exhaustively. 
He knows everything instantaneously and everlastingly. Now, when you think again of some of these feeble English words that try to grapple with these biblical realities and truths concerning God, you need to stop and think. He knows everything instantaneously and everlastingly. Stephen Charnock correctly declared, God is immutable in regard of knowledge. God knows all things by one intuitive act. There is no succession in his knowledge. God knows all things from eternity and therefore perpetually. And therefore, God comprehends all noble truths at once. And there I end the quote. Since God's knowledge is immutable, unchangeable, it follows that God's wisdom is also immutable and unchangeable. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, yes, I have spoken, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed, I will also do it. And there we stop our reading. So note from verse 10 of Isaiah 46 that God's knowledge of himself and of everything and everyone is absolutely comprehensive, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. And therefore nothing, nothing takes God by surprise. We are taken by surprise many times, but nothing takes God by surprise. God infallibly knows the future, and this is because God has decreed the future. God's use and application, if I may use such terms, his use and application of his perfect and comprehensive knowledge is perfectly, eternally, and unchangeably all-wise. And note this in the last half of verse 10 of Isaiah 46. My counsel shall waver. It's not what it says. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. My counsel shall stand. That is, God's wisdom is fixed and unchangeable. It will not be marred, twisted, altered, deformed, or lessened in any way whatsoever. Because God is not deficient in his knowledge, and because God is perfectly wise, 
God will accomplish all his pleasure. Because God's wisdom is perfect and unchangeable, he makes no mid-course corrections. Some of you are, I know there are members in our church, they're IT people. You know, and they're working on this project, and then all of a sudden there's mid-course corrections. Things have to be changed. Well, there's no mid-course corrections with God. God has no errors in his judgment. We have errors in our judgment. Even when we think we have all of the facts about a given situation, it may be a pastoral situation, a family situation, a, a situation in the country in which you live. We, we make judgments based on the facts, hopefully. But then we find out later we didn't have all the facts. And our judgment actually was wrong. But you see, God has all the facts. God has no errors in judgment. He is not short-sighted. We need to remember that truth as well because of God's knowledge, because of God's omniscience, because of his wisdom, because it is all unchangeable. He's not short-sighted. God knew that in America today there would be such perversities as homosexuality, such realities as the murder of babies in the womb. His law does not change because he does not change. His created design, one man with one woman, stands fixed because God has decreed it. So God is not short-sighted. God is not only omniscient, God is all-wise, eternally and unchangeably so. God's works and God's providences may not always be understandable or clear to us. And indeed, why did the Puritan John Flavel write this book, The Mystery of God's Providence? Often God's providences in our lives are very mysterious to us. With our feeble, limited, creaturely, sin-affected understanding and vacillating ways, we're unstable as water, we often, we often, I don't think always, but we often do not understand God's ways, God's providences. But the scriptures make it plain that God is unchangeably and perfectly all-wise in all his ways. So, dear brethren, pastors, you have a problem in the church. It's taken you by surprise. It's grieved your heart. You're vexed. You don't know what to do. The first thing you should do is cry out to God. Turn to his word next. Trust in the realities that God doesn't change. And he is unchangeable and perfect in all his ways, in his providences, in the trials that are brought into your life as a pastor. 
unchangeably and perfectly all wise in all his ways. Thinking upon these truths will give spiritual, emotional, and practical stability to you as a pastor and indeed to any and all believing men and women, all Christians living in this tumultuous world. Sometimes, indeed, our lives seem to be going upside down, seem to be all in confusion. But that is when we need to remember and apply these Bible truths to our hearts and lives. Believe them. Hold on to them. Bring them to God in prayer. We can have true spiritual practical stability as Christians living in such a tumultuous world when we remember that our God is in the heavens. He's done whatsoever he pleases and he is unchanging in his essence and being, unchanging with reference to his wisdom. He is infinitely perfect in his wisdom. But turn now to Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past tracing out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and unto him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. In Romans 11, the whole chapter, the Apostle Paul addresses a very difficult subject, which probably all of you here know this, regarding Israel, regarding the salvation of Jews, regarding the salvation of Gentiles. Paul's mind and heart were exploding as he endeavored to understand and explain the inscrutable works and wisdom of God. He cannot but help to break out in a doxology of praise to God. As you see there at the very end, actually verses 33 through 36 is the doxology. Now John Murray points out that Paul's adoration, wonder, and praise is prompted by what Paul does not know about God. If you look back at Romans eleven thirty three and following, you see that Paul's wonder and praise is prompted by what he does not know about God. For even what God has revealed, we do not fully comprehend. The depths of the wisdom of God cannot ever significantly, let alone fully, 
be comprehended by us. We should try to comprehend. We're not to be lazy and passive. We should study our Bibles. We should read good Christian books and commentaries. We should endeavor to comprehend who God is and what his ways are and what he has done. But we cannot ever significantly, let alone fully, comprehend God and his ways. No one has ever been or ever could be God's counselor. God does not need the advice of anyone. Why? Because God's wisdom is perfect and complete and rich beyond degree. God's wisdom is unfathomable. It's unsearchable. It's beyond our understanding. We should search out, but it's beyond our understanding. And because God does not change, his wisdom does not change, including his wisdom regarding the salvation or reprobation of Jews and Gentiles. You may be a father, a mother, and you have children. Perhaps they're now teenagers or adults. And one has become a genuine believer and another one has not. Maybe all of your children have become believers or all of your children are still unbelievers. What do you say to those realities? You bow your mind, your heart, your will, your life before God. God is in his wisdom, inscrutable. His wisdom is unfathomable, unsearchable. We are to submit our hearts, our wills, our lives to God. So in contemplating the revealed realities regarding the salvation of sinners by the triune God, what does Paul do in Romans 11? He's lost in wonder, love, and praise. He's not confused. He's lost in wonder. He's not angry like Jonah. No, he's loving God. He's not silent. He's praising God. Paul describes to God here in Romans 11, not simply glory, but many of you would know this in the original, the glory. To him be the glory forever. God and God alone is to receive the glory for everything, including the depth of the riches of God's unchanging and perfect wisdom regarding everything, including his gospel and the salvation of sinners. So you see, here is comfort for the Christian in the midst of these hard-to-figure-out realities. Why is this child from my loins and my wife's womb still rebelling against Jesus Christ? And why is this child following Jesus Christ? Continue to pray for the rebel. Continue to plead with God through Christ for his or her salvation. Indeed, do that. But you see, you must bow 
your mind, heart, and will, and soul before God and worship him and find comfort in the midst of such a difficulty or whatever the trials and afflictions may be. God is immutable. He changes not. His wisdom is immutable. It is perfect. His gospel doesn't change. And as a Christian, you need to remember, my sins are freely and fully forgiven by God in Jesus Christ. And God is not going to renege, pull back that forgiveness from me. He is the unchanging God. But now let's move on to another reality. God is unchangeable in his wisdom, but God is also unchangeable in his power. The Bible makes plain that God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God has the power to do whatever his holy will decrees. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 115 and verse 3. Psalm 115 and verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he pleased. He has done whatsoever he pleased. Charnock, again, writing on this particular truth. He wrote, the power of God is that ability and strength whereby he can bring to pass whatsoever he pleases, whatsoever his infinite wisdom may direct, and whatsoever the infinite purity of his will may resolve. As holiness is the beauty of all God's attributes, so Power is that which gives life and action to all the perfections of the divine nature. How vain would be the eternal counsels if power did not step in to execute them. Without power, God's mercy would be but feeble pity. Without power, God's promises would be an empty sound. Without power, God's threatenings are like a mere scarecrow in the field. God's power is like himself, infinite, eternal, incomprehensible, and unchangeable. I'm still quoting Charnock here. God's power is like himself, infinite, eternal, incomprehensible, and unchangeable. It can neither be checked, restrained, nor frustrated by the creature, end quote. God's power cannot be increased since it is already infinite. God's power cannot be diminished since his omnipotence is unchangeable. It is also impossible for God to exhaust his power since his power is infinite and unchangeable. As another theologian, this is Robert Raymond, wrote, God did not exhaust his power when he created the finite universe. There is no reason to believe that he could not have made more stars or more land and sea creatures 
or more varieties of flora if he had willed to do so. In fact, he was not, quote, exercised by his creative activity in the slightest degree. He merely spoke and it was done. And that's the end of Raymond's quote. God's omnipotence, along with all of his attributes, is unchangeable. So, by way of a practical lesson, because God is unchangeable in his perfect wisdom and omnipotence, you, dear Christian, can trust God to bring you safely to glory. Do you ever fear as a Christian, in the face of your remaining corruptions and sins, do you ever fear, will I really persevere to the end? Think on these biblical truths of God's wisdom, his perfect, unchanging wisdom. He brought you into the midst of this a deep valley of darkness in your life for good and wise reasons. He and his omnipotence, which does not change, will bring you safely through that dark valley of difficulty and trial. Because God is unchangeable in his perfect wisdom and omnipotence, you can trust God to bring you safely to heaven. Your remaining corruptions will not keep you out of heaven. They will, by God's sovereignty, humble you. They will make you distrust yourself as you should distrust yourself. But you should turn your mind and heart to these <laughs> biblical truths that are solid, unchangeable truths. Christians are kept by the power of God. No one shall pluck the Christian out of the hand of God. And you need to remember in such dark times of trial, in such difficulties with remaining sin, you need to remember that all things work together for good. We often quote that passage, and it's good and right that we often quote it. But sometimes we quote those familiar, beloved passages, and we don't stop, step back, and think. Think, what is this passage teaching me? All things work together for good. How can that be? The death of a loved one, a spouse, a child. How can that work together for good? Well, it does. When you believe these truths from God's word, you step back, you bow down before God, and you worship him, and you say, I know, O Lord, that even the death of this spouse, my wife or my husband, this child laid in the grave, 
All things work together for good because God is infinite and unchangeable in his wisdom and power and all of his attributes. All things work together for good. For the pastors, you need to remind yourself of these truths. When that sheep that you gave your heart and life to, not in, of course, saving them from their sins, but you gave your heart and your life to that particular sheep or a couple of sheep, you've spent so much time, willingly, lovingly spent a lot of time, and then the sheep turns and with his rear or her rear foot, as it were, kicks you. What are you to do? You're to remember these truths. God is all wise. His wisdom does not change. You need to remember other truths also. You need to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times have you, as it were, turned and kicked Christ, figuratively speaking, by your heart attitudes of stubbornness, your disobediences? How many times have you, as it were, kicked Christ, and yet what has Jesus Christ done for you? He has been faithful. He has been all-powerful. He has kept you by his power. And in his wisdom, he teaches you and brings you out of such sinful stubbornness. So, dear brethren, let us remember these biblical truths and realities about our God. And let us worship him with all of our being every day. Well, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us the Bible in our own languages. We thank you, our God, that you have revealed yourself to us in the pages of Scripture. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who takes the Word of God and illuminates our minds with the Word of God. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and his faithful love for us as creatures as sinners, as Christians, Lord, we thank you for your many mercies. And we pray that you would help us to remember these biblical truths concerning who you are as our God and our Savior, that we would remember that indeed you are immutable, unchangeable in your essence and being, in your attributes, two of which only we looked at this morning briefly, we pray that you would help us to remember and then apply these biblical realities to our own hearts and lives. Indeed, to our conversations with others, whether in our families or in the church or in the world. Lord, we ask that you would magnify your glorious name in our day and age through the proclamation of your word, the proclamation of the gospel that multitudes in our day would come to know these truths that we have known and tasted in one small way, that you are 
our unchanging God. We ask for your blessing to continue with us throughout this day. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.